Before we kick off the episode today, we need to talk about a couple of people that unfortunately we lost recently. Even more so, it hurts that they're all within the Star Trek family, which if you're even a new listener of the show, you'll know that Robert and I are both big Star Trek fans. Firstly, DC Fontana was lost to us. DC Fontana probably is best known for her work on the original series of Star Trek, where she wrote several classic episodes, including Friday's Child and Journey to Babel. She also became the story editor on the show sometime in the first season and had her hand in uh, rewrites on a lot of episodes. After that, or or in addition to that, she wrote for such classic sci-fi and non-sci-fi shows as uh, Wild Wild West, The Six Million Dollar Man, Kung Fu, uh, Logan's Run, Babylon 5, and Reboot, along with doing episodes of Deep Space Nine and uh, The Next Generation. We also sadly lost one of the actors from the Star Trek family. René Albert-Janois passed away, uh, sadly, at only the age of 79. In addition to doing Star Trek Deep Space Nine with his most famous character, Odo, he was in, he was a character actor. He was in so much stuff. And later in his life, he got into voice acting, uh, doing video games and, and a lot of... Uh, a lot of animated shows. There's just so many properties that he had a hand in bringing to life. If you're a fan of our show, then I think it's fair to say that he's touched your life in one way, shape, or form. Uh, from the 1976 version of King Kong, the 1970 uh, version of MASH, to more recently, Fallout New Vegas, God of War. He was everywhere. So before we get started with the episode today, we just wanted to take a quick moment to remember both of those amazing individuals and thank them for all the work that they did in, in some of our favorite things. Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. Welcome to another episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. This episode is a special allergen edition brought to you by Cedar here in Texas. I'm your host, Jonathan Edwards, while my voice survives. And with me, of course, the crystal ball to my prognostication, Mr. Robert Lundgren. How you doing? Hello, hello. Do you become somebody else if if the Cedar overcomes you? Like if your voice goes yes. out? Yes. Yes, I am right on the cusp of becoming Phyllis. Uh, she's a retiree from Boca. Wait, wait, Phyllis she's, has been on the show before. She, you don't need to explain who I Phyllis know. is. Yeah, Phil, Phyllis is almost here, buddy. Phyllis <laughs> is almost here. I'm, I'm right on the cusp. I'm about two solid days and an ear infection away from Phyllis joining us back from Boca. She's, she's here to visit the grand, grandkids, you know? I guess, it's, uh, I guess it's good this is our last episode of 2019. You'll give you some time to it recover. It is. It is. I'm going to need a couple weeks to, to recover from <laughs> yeah. this. Also, I'm not generally a fan of genocide, but in the case of the cedar tree, I'm going to make a special exception. They're not even native they to te- Texas. Not. You know that? They were brought in. They were brought in. I know. They're not native. That's why they, they grow so well here. There's nothing to predate them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we got Stupid red cedar people. here up in Oregon, but it's it's not nearly as bad. Although, yeah, like, whenever we get that like stale air thing, it just wrecks my voice. But uh, other than that, I, nothing's really gotten to me here. Although, uh, occasionally, like I'll take something off of a shelf, and I guess I kick up some dust or something that's going around. I'll just start sneezing under uncontrollably. Yeah, I have a dust thing too. I feel you there. 
but I'll take a couple of sneezes over the way I feel right now. I, I want to take a drill to my forehead just to make it feel better. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the worst. That's the worst. Am I going to have to pick up your slack today because you're distracted with sinus pressure? No, no. I, I feel oddly focused. I just don't know how long my voice will last. But I can how feel focused can slip. you be if you forgot to thank our patrons over at Patreon? If it wasn't for you guys keeping our lights on, keeping the servers humming, where would we be without them, Jonathan? You, you skipped right over that part. I did, didn't yeah. I? I'm so sorry. <laughs> Maybe not as focused as I thought. Ah, gotcha. Screw you, cedar tree. <laughs> I hate it so much. <laughs> well, Jonathan, uh, on that note, uh, I want to wish you and all of our fair listeners happy National Maple Syrup Day. Oh, yeah, from our friends in the north. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, interestingly enough, I found out that a lot of maple syrup was actually made in the states for a very, very long time, but not so much anymore. Uh, also, I found fun things about National Maple Syrup Day that a maple tree farm is called a sugar bush or a sugar wood, and uh, the place where you boil the sap to make the syrup is called the sugar shack. <laughs> I have some friends that live in Quebec. And every time I see them, I have them bring me cans of maple syrup because to them, they can walk to the store and just pick up maple syrup for less than $2 Canadian. And, you know, down here to get real maple syrup, it's you're paying a premium. Yeah, true that. True that. And it's so much better, too. It's just fresh. They just pour it right into a, to a tin can and, 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 you know, no fancy bottles or anything. You, you got to do the, the two holes in the top and everything. And it's the highest quality maple syrup I've ever had in my life. I uh, was listening to the latest episode of Ken and Robin talk about stuff. And Robin had found like this weird old like 19 something Canadian cookbook uh, with a whole bunch of like weird regional food on it that, that just seemed terrible. But one of the ones he brought up, which kind of kind of hit me in the texas a little bit is apparently canadians have their own riff on the uh pecan pie what but instead of making it with uh, uh high fructose corn syrup like we do down here you know the <laughs> the thing that is only exists because we make it chemically possible uh they make it out of maple syrup and walnuts which sounds intriguing oh my god that sounds freaking amazing yeah yeah i forgot what it's called it had a kooky name but yeah, yeah, the latest episode uh, of Ken and Robin talk about stuff. They they were talking about that pie, and I'm, I I got intrigued. I should, you know, what I'm going to do. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to look that up later. I'm going to look that up later. Where are my notes? There are my notes. Well, as that's the end of our announcements, it's now time for our first segment, our off the shelf segment. This is, of course, the segment where we talk about all the wonderful things that we've gotten off of our shelves, onto our tables, and into our hearts. And Robert, we're going to kick things off with books today because we don't often get to do that, and I've been on a tear, my friend. I'm going to give a high five to friend of the show, Ray Greenlee, because he painted a whole bunch of Clank uh, Acquisitions Incorporated minis, and they looked fantastic. Oh, I did see those pictures. They look great. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, high five, Ray. You're, you're, you're painting, which is better than me. I wish I was painting. I, I, I haven't painted a mini in like two years, I think. It's sad. I need to do that again. I need to do a lot of things again. <sighs> I envy you, Ray. I envy you. We need to have Ray back on the show. Talk about whatever. You know what? That is about. ironic. Hold, pin, put a pin in that thought and save it for later. Okay. Just put that right in All your right, pocket. Deal. Right in your pocket. Okay. You're going to pull it out. You're going to pull it out like like a 20 you find in an old coat in just a few minutes. Uh, also, a friend of the show, Dale, uh, informed me he tried out the Dragon Quest Builders 2 demo on Steam. And uh, we had a little quick chat about it. 
And uh, I found out today, Dale, I told you that it's a direct sequel to Dragon Quest 2, and apparently that is also going to hit Steam sometime soon. So if you want to give that a go, or you can just buy it on mobile. I think it's like 10 bucks, but yeah, it's a good game. Both are good games, especially if you like Minecraft stuff and you, you have a PC, you can now play it. And it probably works much better with a controller because that's what it was designed for. But I know you can play it with full mouse support. And because it's on PC it plays a little bit better and you can do a little bit more stuff. But I did not watch the whole video about what that stuff is because I didn't care. I don't have it on PC and I don't plan on getting it on PC. Fun fact, we are recording this on December 9th. Dragon's Quest Builder 2 will be out on PC tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. also I've decided I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post Ravenloft. I'm going to download my island tomorrow. So if you're, if you're doing that, I'll put my friend code somewhere so you can go run around Ravenloft if you want. But yeah, I'm going to get that out tomorrow. Which is sad. I haven't finished much because I've been doing other stuff, which we will talk about soon. Anyway, books, sir. Books like you wanted to do. Tell me about your books. You've been reading. Wow, you've been reading a lot. I got hooked on a series, Robert. Okay. That's always a dangerous thing. Right. Um, so remember last episode I talked about how I was... Um, Columbus Day. Uh, yeah, Columbus Day. Yes, so I finished Columbus Day. Cool. Promptly, down, um, promptly started reading... The second book in the series, uh, Spec Ops. Right. Finished that. Nice. And have started now the third book in the series, uh, Paradise. And I'm having a good time. Mm. Mm. These are not going to change your life. They're not literary works, but they are fun, light sci-fi. My only negative that I can say is that there's just an awful lot of... Um, there's an awful lot of coincidences that work out in the favor of the plot. You know what I mean? Plot armor, as we call it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, is what it is. I'm having a good time. The characters are are really great. They're really well fleshed out. They they feel real. And I'm having a... I'm just having a fun time. It's sci-fi light. Cool, cool. Well, I I found something I'm really enjoying. Uh, So, as you know, I'm running a D&D game about nobles, and I was trying to look for stuff to read about nobles, but the problem about reading about medieval nobility is it's kind of dull sometimes because it gets a little in the weeds. And then I remembered that Ars Magica has a lot of good supplements and it's a role-playing game. So it's written for gamers in mind. So I fished up a copy of or- Ordo Nobilis, which is about the nobility of that game. And it's, it's set on earth, but it's kind of a fantastic earth because there's still a little bit of monsters and majory and stuff going on. But yeah, yeah. If you need to know, if you need like kind of a, a dive on, on uh, European nobility, that's not a bad one to do. And uh, I got some fun ideas for my game from it. So I would, uh, I would recommend if that's – I'd recommend any of that product line actually. If, there, if there's a topic covered that you want to know more about, it's a good series to read because they give you a nice sort of gamer-focused condensed crash course on whatever it is they're covering, which I enjoyed. And occasionally they you know, talk about rules and stats and sometimes they have adventures, which you can steal. So there you go. Indeed, there you go. What would you like to move on to? Should we shake this th- thing up and start with video games? But we're not starting. We're already on topic three at this point. Oh, that's true. It's true. It's true. Video games it is. <laughs> Boom shakalaka. Uh, what have you been up to? Playing the huge Overwatch, Dragon Quest Builders 2, Spider-Man. So the C- Steam sale started and Civilization Six got cheap enough and we've got enough computers in the house now that the wife and I bought it and we started playing Civ Six again and one more turning it. I love that game. That game is so... Uh, so I played a lot of Civ Five, even fairly recently, and it's not Civ Five. Six feels more like three. I never... Five was the first one I played. 
Three was the first one that that fully put the needle in my arm, and I went crackhead over. Okay. Well, I I have no basis of comparison for that, but and four was I don't know. Four was the odd duck. I, I, four was okay. It wasn't great. It was okay. Five I enjoyed, and six feels very much like three. Well, I again I have no basis of comparison for that. So at first I hated it because it was different. You know, like you do. Like I do with everything. But then um, part of the problem, too, was uh, just playing it with other people. You know, I, I end up because I just play with my gut a lot. You know, I try to figure things out because I don't I don't I, I read stuff, but I don't like obsess over it because like I don't know how anything works. And, you know, it's a big thing to say. It's like, oh, this perk gives you this in game. But it's like, what does that mean? How does that actually play? I don't know. So I just I read them quick and I just choose one, you know. And, and sometimes I make bad choices on purpose to see if something is as bad as I think it is, you know? And, but because of that, like I I was playing with other people who are more tactical and take more time than me. So I ended up playing a lot of solitaire while I was waiting for my turns to go. And it was, it was very dull. So I decided to play a game on my own and that helped a lot because I got much more of a sense of how the game flows playing by myself and what I should be doing, you know? And having, watched the expansion content. I'm really interested in it now because I think it'll do some things that I want this game to do. And, you know, no Civ game is really complete until you got two expansions anyway. So I think I need to get Gathering Storm and all that, but they're not cheap right now. So that's not going to happen. I'll wait until they're cheap because <laughs> there's always a Steam sale at some point. There will be a sale. Yeah, it feels like it. Yeah. And then uh, I rented Control from the library. How is that? Because I really am having a hard time not impulse buying that. Okay, so I I couldn't play it as much as I wanted because it is not a game I I was comfortable playing around the kids because my daughter is old enough to understand some of the existential dread and creepiness that was going on. And it is kind of like nightmare fuel in that regard because it's not like jump scares or anything particularly shocking or gory. It's just really unsettling and weird. And, and she was picking up on that. And, and I'm like, I'm, I'm going to give her nightmares if I play this around her. And, uh, and then there are enough scary monsters that pop up from time to time, the, the little ones, that it was a bad idea too. So I didn't play it nearly as much as I'd wanted to. To me, it felt, I mean, it, it was my favorite genre. It was conspiracy horror. Like there was nothing not to like in there. I, I, I think my only major critique of the game is it does not have a difficulty button. It is as difficult as it is. And as a old man, who my reflexes aren't the best and I don't always have a lot of time to play. So I don't like redoing things five or six times to try to get it just so that was a little frustrating. I got to a boss and that's kind of where I stopped because I, I, I threw myself against it three times and I just didn't have the will to do it again. And I didn't have enough time to play it long enough again to do it either. So yeah, it kind of petered out there. What I played, I really liked. It reminded me of Delta green Although it has nothing to do with Cthulhu or Delta Green, but it kind of just gave me that vibe. I guess the PC version is coming out in August, so I don't have to get the console version, and that gives me a little time to think it over. Lord knows I, I may or may not have picked up like almost a dozen titles on Black Friday with Steam. Yeah, well, there you go. But it, it's it's worth it. Control's really good. Like the storyline is real interesting and creepy and unsettling and and just weird. And and it's the type of weird I like. And the fun part is, uh, this isn't much of a spoiler because it happens very early in the game, but the, the building you're in actually sort of exists in an extra dimensional space or something. And so like when you walk into the building, you know, like nobody's there because Ooh, it's so scary. And you start like walking around the building and eventually find a janitor and the, you ask the janitor where you're supposed to go. And he's like, Oh, you just always follow the signs, just follow the signs. And so you, you're like, Oh, okay. So you start following the signs. 
What is this, an Amy Grant song? Yes. And then you come back out into the lobby in a way that makes absolutely no sense with how you got there. And I'm like, how did I end up back at the lobby? Because I ended up just in a place I could not have ended up back at that lobby. And so I backtracked. And the way I got into that area of the building just didn't exist anymore. It was a wall with art on it. <laughs> so, yeah, the building itself kind of shifts and reconfigures around you. And so it's, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird because you can get lost um, because it occasionally just happens while you're nearby. And uh, that's that's fun. I, I it, it's just weird and creepy. And I, I enjoyed it. It was a good it was a good setting. They did. They did I good. like that. What her house would reconfigure as you're walking around it and you get lost. No, she was just weird and creepy. Are you, are you sure it's your aunt and not you? No, I'm definitely not the creepy one. Weird, yeah, but not creepy. Okay, fair enough. Over to you, Jonathan. What have you been playing? A lot of stuff that we've already talked about. More Apex, um, more Call of Duty, Modern Warfare. Having fun with those two when I get that shooting, shooter itch. Still continuing to plow through uh, Fallen Order. Uh, it's a big game. It's a big, big game. I kind of underestimated how big it was, so I'm, I'm, I'm actually kind of glad to see that. Also had a chance to start playing Subnautica. It's one of the many games I picked up on Black Friday for dirt cheap. And what a neat, neat survival game that's turning out to be. I'm having a good time with that. Yeah, when Alan was into watching streamers, we watched a significant portion of the gameplay of that. And it's kind of Minecrafty, sort of, because you, you're gathering resources and building stuff. I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of that, you know, it's resource survival type stuff. But I, I dug it because it actually had a story. Like it actually and a good one too at that, you know? So Yeah, no, it's interesting. It's it's genuinely interesting, the narrative. I, I think is the the missing sauce that when people try to make a game that is going to compete with Minecraft or in that genre, people just think like, oh, more random is better. And it's like, no, no, no. Opposite is true. No, more structure is better. More structure is better. More story is better. Because you can't you can't beat Minecraft at random. Like it's it it kind of nailed it. It's like perfect the way it is. Like you could re- maybe reskin it to be like D and D or some nonsense like that. But like fundamentally, you don't need to change the gameplay at all. But to make a better Minecraft, you have to give it more structure, and that's where DQB two and and uh, Subnautica really seem to shine is the the story and and engaging you with you know that type of stuff. Also, also you can get a fish as a pet. I don't know when that happens. I haven't gotten that far yet. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a fish you can get as a pet, and it, it'll hang around. It's like a ray, and it's cute. And like I said, I, I picked up a bunch of stuff on, on Steam sale for Black Friday, so I will let you know as I start to tear into more stuff. Nice. Yeah, that's it for video games. Like I said, a lot of stuff that I've already been working on. Yeah, what else is new? We play long games. And we and both of us kind of play some games obsessively. All right, well, let's, uh, let's go to movies and TV. Man, have I watched some crap-ass stuff this I, I want to get to you, so let's do my stuff, because I have not done very much new. So, still watching The Simpsons. Uh, haven't gotten to the point where I stopped watching it yet, but it's fun, and it's nice, because I can watch it around the kids, because it's generally uh, family-friendly, which I enjoy. Had to had to return it, because somebody else wanted it, so I've got uh, got through a couple episodes of Cowboy Bebop. I can't remember if I talked about that last time. No, I don't think you did. Okay. Man, how insane is that show? I think the problem with that show and me... It, it, well, for one, I'm not a huge fan of anime. I, I I don't know if it's a failing on my part or whatnot, but there are very, very few animes I like, and the ones I tend to like are the ones that people say are garbage. I'm looking at you, Macross Plus. Can't get enough of that one, but people say it sucks. Oh, I love me some Macross Plus. Okay, good. Why do people say that's garbage? Because it's like too... Oh, heaven forbid we have a narrative that makes sense from start to finish. I don't know. I've, I've heard people just dog on it. <laughs> anyway. Who? Send me their names. I, I, I don't. There's a service I can use to send them poop in the mail. I, I, I don't want to go digging through that in, in the internet right now. There, there's so, yeah. Anyway, 
Um, oh, man, I feel like Jay and Jay and Silent Bob strike back when he finds the internet. Cowboy Bebop is obviously very influential because I was watching it and I kept seeing things that other people have done better. You know, it's it's like the Gandalf of sort of the space western. And I dug it for that, you know, because like like especially fire. Oh, my God. Did Firefly crib off of that heavily? Holy. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, my God. No doubt. No like doubt. down to set design, you know, like they're walking around that ship. And I'm like, that looks like the Firefly, you know, or the the Serenity or whatever, you know. The the episodes were uh, are a little random for my tastes. Like it didn't really have like a narrative <laughs> that, that was. You just described anime in general. That's true, um, but it really made me look forward to the Netflix version because I'm sure they'll smooth out some of those bumps because it'll you know be a Western show and be on Netflix. And Netflix loves its binging. And and the way Cowboy Bebop is set up, it's not very bingeable because things have very definitive ends and they don't like lead into the next episode, which Netflix will not allow. <laughs> so. Uh, hopefully John Cho has a speedy recovery because they had to delay that show by eight months because he like wrecked his knee doing a stunt he or something. tore up his knee. Yeah. Oh, hopefully, hopefully he gets better because I, I love John Cho. He'd be perfect for that character. I, I, I can't wait for that. And then I, because Disney Plus is great, uh, I finally saw again, I can't believe I hadn't seen this since it was in the theaters, uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. I watched it again, finally. Oh man, it, it, you hadn't seen it since it was in the theater? Yeah, I don't I don't think I had. I remember loving it, and it just, it never came up. I think... It's the best political thriller of the past 10 years. Yeah, I went on a Reddit thread about, you know, movies like Captain America Winter Soldier. Uh, one came up that's streaming on Canopy right now, so I'm I'm definitely going to watch it. It's Three Days of the Condor, which I realize I've oh, never man, seen. Oh man, that's a classic. Yeah, and I, yeah, yeah. I've never yeah. seen it. So and then and then in that same thread, somebody oh, said like, man, um, I wish I could be you going back and watching a movie like that for the first time. <laughs> they said immediately after like watch uh, uh, Spy Game with uh, Redford and uh, Brad Pitt and like tell me it's not a sequel to that movie. And I'm like, okay, I can do that because that's at the library. <laughs> so Spy I've, Game's great. Spy Game's great. Yeah, you should also go watch Sneakers. I've seen Sneakers. I have seen some. I love that movie. That, that's not a bad movie. So we will see how it goes. But yes, Captain America Winter Soldier. Good, good times. All right, Jonathan. Jonathan, let's do this. Let's do this. I'm so excited. Which, which, where, do you, where do you want me to start? Because they're like, do you want me to start at the oh, actual good movies? No, no, I watch, no. I want you, want you to, want start to start with start the, the, the mid 80s classic with uh, Peter Weller Leviathan. Okay, so I might have gone down a rabbit hole on. on God bless Amazon Prime, Jonathan. Y- you know why? They have so much garbage movies on it that i loved as a kid because they were terrible and i know they're just buying up the rights for it because they must be pretty cheap (laughs) well there's no way that some of these movies cost them a thing yes agreed leviathan i haven't watched it uh at all recently how is it tell me me. i mean is that the one okay i i that (laughs) where do i begin that one in deep star six i i i know they're separate movies and i i remember the plots of them but i i get them mixed up which one is the one where you drink the vodka and turn into a fish that's uh leviathan okay okay that's the one i thought okay because they get the vodka off of the 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 direct russian ship right and that's the one where the the guy from home alone the tall guy what's his name uh daniel stern daniel stern thank you that's the one where daniel stern steals the vodka also Hashtag me too. The guy's a freaking sexual predator down in that damn submarine, but that's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. It was the eighties. It was a different time. But yeah, he uh, he steals the the vodka from the from the ship when nobody's looking, and then has a little personal party at night on his uh, in his bunk, and then he starts becoming a fish dude. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And then everybody starts becoming fish dudes. Yeah. Le- Leviathan is basically the thing without tension. <laughs> and crappier effects <laughs> yes it is. in water in water 
You know what's really funny about that movie? I, I watched that movie and I watched Deep Star 6, the one with the Mako Sharks. Uh, no, that's not Mako Sharks. There's no Mako Sharks. I thought they Are were you talking about um, Deep Blue Sea. Deep Blue Sea. Sorry. Yes. Yes. Deep Blue Sea. And I realized that Deep Blue Sea, for whatever reason, had a lot of like the, the plot points, including a very similar finale <laughs> to that. Oh, movie. yeah. No, absolutely. Leviathan and, and Deep Blue Sea are essentially the same movie. Yeah. And I'm like, was somebody trying to make Leviathan like good and with more plausible stuff? Because, you know, the sharks, man, the sharks are way more plausible than like drinking vodka and turning into fish. <laughs> Although the fish is great. Stan Winston, I think, did the fish. In the no, fish. that was Stan Winston. Yeah. The, effects, the effects are on point. Yeah. Like there's some genuinely creepy moments with the with the critter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, the, you know, it's the it's the closing scene. I think I texted you about it <laughs> where Peter Weller just pops out of the water like he's making a like, you know, he's making a jump shot. Essentially, he's going for three. And he tosses some explosive into the thing's mouth and says, I, we, "You know they what had did to I tell you." He said, "Yeah." Oh, what does he say? What does he say? <laughs> he's he's in the ocean. He's got like his hand grenade thing, right? And he turns and looks over his shoulder at the camera, and he just says, "Say ah, mother effer!" And then he just does this magical jump shot. Like you can tell, he's standing on a platform under the water because nobody could propel themselves out of the water like a friggin' porpoise. And he does this this beautiful little finger roll. So it's obvious Peter Weller played basketball. And then the, the, the grenade goes into the thing's mouth and then kablooey. It's the end of Jaws. Yeah. You, you know why they had to do that, right? They made the critter and they made it out of foam. And then they got it in the water that day and it got so heavy it started falling apart. <laughs> it soaked up all the water. So they had to like change the finale because it couldn't move. Say oh. <laughs> It's so stupid. <laughs> oh, my God. That entire movie, I was sitting there watching the thing, and it's just so unbelievably dumb. I'm just grinning from ear to ear. I had so much fun watching it. It's such a bad movie. All right. So compare and contrast it to uh, one of the movies that came out around the same st- time, Deep Star Six, which I, I think, if memory serves, just kind of has a fish critter that gets on the the place. It, it There's no mutation involved. No body horror. Right? Uh, no, no, no. Bo- well, okay. There's a little body horror, but it's not from mutation. Um, all right. So, Deep Star Six, basically the poster, the one sheet, better than the movie. <laughs> Have you? Do you remember the Deep Star Six one I'm, sheet? I'm looking at it right now with the half of a, a, a diving suit. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, man. Like when you see that when you see that half a diving suit with what you can tell has been torn apart. You're like, oh, this looks like a cool horror movie. Like I'm down for this. That actual scene in the movie, they they cut away from it instead of showing the horror. Like you only see the suit kind of dangling there for like maybe a split second, half a second. Okay. These dudes are underwater and they're setting up a missile base because it's the 1980s and it's the Cold War. So, you know, you got to have your underwater missiles. And they're setting up this underwater uh, military base. And this one guy's like, oh, we only have this much time. We got to go, go, go. And so he decides to use some explosives and accidentally opens up a cavern that's been sealed off for millions of years and lets loose this the critter. I don't know what we're calling it. It's, Gary. It's we'll a, call the critter Gary. We'll call it Lobster Gary because it's basically a big lobster. Yeah, that's all it is, man. Like, it's the worst critter ever. Like, he pops out of the ocean and you're like, oh, can he, does he squeak if you squeeze him? It's so bad. Like I said, it's so, so bad. And it's got like eyes in its mouth. I know it's dumb. It's the dumbest critter. It doesn't even make sense. 
Yeah, I'm looking at pictures of it on the internet. It is goofy looking when you see it still. It, it's it's the, the dumbest, dumbest critter. It doesn't make sense from a biological perspective. That never has stopped any. Oh, somebody's comparing it to Graboids. I'm like, yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's essentially it. it it's Graboids with no charm in the water. <laughs> I'm telling you, if, if Deep Star 6 is movie had lived up to the amazing poster it would have been an awesome movie the poster is also more dramatic than the movie the movie's kind of goofy it's got this weird sense of humor also hashtag me too there as well like there's some serious serious seriously screwed up uh sexual harassment things yeah that's that's gonna be a recurring theme today i can tell yeah man like you forget how how culture has changed in 30 years yeah no no duh no duh all right so tell me about seals Wow. Where do I even begin with this one? <laughs> this feels like a like it feels like it should have been straight to video in the 1980s. It's, a, it's like Delta Force three bad. <laughs> I, I, I can't even place this one. Is it Navy SEALs or just SEALs? Yeah, it's, it's Navy SEALs. Okay. It's got Charlie Sheen in it uh, and Michael Bine from Terminator. <laughs> Back when Michael Bine was hot. I think he'd just come off of Aliens. OK. And so it's about the U.S. Navy SEALs, except that it's the U.S. Navy SEALs if they were a cheesy 80s action movie. Is it, like, is it worth a watch? Charlie Sheen's running around firing an MP5 on full automatic from the hip okay. with one hand. Okay, okay. Is it worth a watch? Is it is it bad it's good? It's really skirting that line. Well, is it worth doing? I, I'd say I, I would... Okay, like this... this We could use this as a... A barometer? As an opportunity to make a bellwether, right? Okay. Like... Yes, I want you to watch it, and I want you to tell me what you think so that we can figure out, because I'm having a hard time put, what, what, putting this on one side of the line or the other. This <laughs> is terrible. It's really bad, but I still had fun with it in stupid ways. Okay, okay. I'll do that. I mean, it's dumb. I'll put that on my list. I, I may watch Three Days of the Condor first. I'm, I'm actually interested in that. No, watch good movies first. <laughs> Don't do what I did. <laughs> okay, but but you rounded that corner. Uh, it, deftly my friend i did i got it out of my system i did that all in one day well but you got it you got a good bad movie on your list here too uh the adventures of buckaroo bonsai that's not a bad movie no i mean it is but it's not it, yeah there you go <laughs> but it, i mean it is yes yes it is but it's not but it's not no it's not. i forgot how much john lithgow is just insane in that movie yeah there's a reason they cast him as a bad guy in that one wesley snipes movie i, I think it had a lot to do with that film yeah he's great in it he's great in it. if you just churn down the, the the kind of humorous mania and sort of keep that like undercurrent of unsettling and he was able to do it like it was like oh yeah no i can see that <laughs> john lithgow, yeah, no, plays a good john bad lithgow guy. is fantastic in this um actually the whole cast is and how did this movie not do more? The cast is off the charts. I mean, mind you, it's basically acid trip the movie. Yes. Like, it, it's it's crazy loony, but it totally knows it. So it doesn't back away from it. It embraces it and tells it how much it loves it and then just kind of feeds it and wants it to be better. <laughs> Ain't the funniest part for me is being that I'm a you know military history guy and I, I, I know a lot about just military jargon in general. There's a point in the beginning where he's cruising around in this car and there's a bunch of, you know, radio chatter going on in the background and all the radio chatter has absolutely nothing to do with doing any kind of land speed test. Like at one point the guy's like activate APU and they're like, why would you be activating the auxiliary power unit when you're already on main power and flooring it? They were just tossing out, you know, acronyms, acronym salad. Yeah, pretty much. Nice. 
I mean, that movie is bonkers. But I was grinning the whole time. Like, I was giggling. It was, I loved it. I had a great time with it. I'd forgotten how much fun I, that movie is. All right, all right. We got, you got quite the list. We got to move on. We got to move on. V Wars, go. This might be the worst TV series I've ever watched in my life, and I can't stop watching it. <laughs> okay, so it's based on a comic. I remember selling this comic back in the day. So the comic came out first, then it became novels, then it became a board game of all things. Yeah, I remember that. It was on Kickstarter, wasn't it? I don't know if it was on Kickstarter, I remember but I know it, it came out. I remember it, yeah. And and now, and only now, is it become a TV series. This show is freaking bananas. Like, it's bonkers. You watch this thing, and if you've ever watched any kind of military procedural, or, you know, anything about, you know, the way police forcing, uh, policing is done, or anything like that, you're going to sit there and just be like, are these people insane? <laughs> At one point, the the... The, the head of the, the DNS, the Department of National Security, which I'm, I'm imagining is probably, you know, kind of akin to the TSA, uh, the Homeland Security, whatever. This, this person gets kicked off the show. I, mean, I don't want to go into any spoiler alert. But all of a sudden, um, they bring in this army general guy who has a bunch of medals from the Navy on his army coat, which I find really funny. Mm-hmm. And then he, he just starts jibber jabbering off and, and trying to t- treat treat it like this crazy weird fascist regime and it's just like it's it's cuckoo it's cuckoo banana pants i'm not 100 percent sure what the hell's going on i'm like five episodes in and suddenly it's it's just like they formed a sub nation of vampires <laughs> <laughs> okay you know i was somewhat intrigued before you said all that out loud but i i that Honestly, all of that was a selling point to me. It's the worst show I've ever watched. I can't wait to watch the rest of it. <laughs> I'm hoping this thing gets picked up. We need multiple seasons of this. You remember the the World War, uh, War of the World show? Oh yes, it's that bad. Oh, that's delicious, isn't it? Though when I see when when I started watching this show, the first episode, I sat there scratching my head and just going, "What? What just happened?" Jonathan, to me? Jonathan, at first you had my interest, but now you've got my attention. I'll, I'll I'll put that on the list. Oh, I can't wait to discuss it. It's just so deliciously terrible. <laughs> all right, all right, let's move on. Let's move on because <laughs> we still got more. Uh, Layer Cake, go. Okay, Layer Cake, one of my favorite crime movies of all time. I would say it's probably one of the top ten crime movies ever made. I love it. I've watched it probably 20 or 30 times at this point in my life. Amelia was having a real difficult day. She was teething. She just wanted to be held. She wasn't paying attention to anything. She just wanted to be held. So um, Jessica was at work, and the kids were otherwise engaged in other activities. So I sat down and watched it with her. And, man, I'd forgotten how absolutely amazing that movie is. This is the first movie Matthew Vaughn directed. And he went on to do Baby Driver, um, The uh, uh, Kingsman. Yeah, yeah. And it's on, apparently it's on Netflix. Okay, cool. I cannot recommend that movie highly enough. I love it. It is a classy, slick, extremely well-directed and well-acted crime movie uh, that, that just hits it on oh, every single Oh, one. my God. You, you want to know why we're going to see it? Hey, Gina. Tom Hardy? No, shh. Hey, Gina. Uh, not only is, uh, you know, Bond in it, Daniel Craig, a young Daniel Craig, but most importantly... Our son's namesake, Colomini, a.k.a. Miles O'Brien, he is in that movie, apparently. He is listed on the cast fairly high. Yeah, he's uh, one, of the, one of the leads. There you go. So keep that in mind, Gina, when I ask if you want to watch this movie some point after the three days of the condor. And it ain't no Miles O'Brien in that movie. There you go. 
All right. Casino Royale. Which one did you watch? The original from the 60s that is terrible, but I still kind of want to see it? No. I watched the new one. The, the, yeah. Because, all right, so why don't you explain the, the Bond thing? Well, we're, that's got its own segment, sir. We're going to get to that. Okay, but I mean, just because I have to tell you why I watched it. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Well, because we, we talked, okay, so last episode we talked about watching Dr. No. I mean, Duffman says a lot of things. We, we say a lot of things on this podcast. We don't always follow through, even though I like pretending that we follow through on things. I point out when we follow through because we don't always follow through. <laughs> we try, but reality sometimes checks us. Right, but a uh, friend of the show... Our mouths write a lot of checks that our asses can't catch. <laughs> friend of the show, Mr. Zombie Professor himself, Brendan challenged us he, he opened up a, a a book club discussion on our facebook page and, and kind of forced our hand because he was excited and so we we've decided we're gonna we're gonna debut this episode a new segment in a little bit where we we talk about bond movies but why did you watch casino royale well so i watched dr no which we'll talk about in a little bit and then i wanted to compare it to the first of the modern movies mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so i decided to watch casino royale and uh yeah i'd forgotten what what fun casino royale is casino royale is bizarre because there's a lot uh, that happens in that movie that does not happen in the original book because i've read the first five or six bond books I, I had them all at some point but i never i never got through the whole series but yeah like most of the actual novel casino royale is is in that is in that movie it's weird like how faithful it is to the original novel um no it's extremely faithful uh, up until a point like there's a lot of prologue stuff but by the time you get to the uh the casino like I, I that's kind of where it starts in the book is bond it's like go go there's this guy who's funding you know it turns out to be specter but um uh there's this guy funding terrorists with his gambling winnings uh make sure he loses go go bond and they play uh they play baccarat like they do uh instead of texas hold'em but other than that it's it's the plot is very similar which which was weird to watch because yeah like you know that book was written in the 50s like it it shouldn't work you know as a modern oh, but movie it does. yeah it does really really well it does actually. really really well I didn't realize this at the time. Um, this was directed by Martin Campbell, who also did Goldeneye in the past. Mm. And if you look at his uh, list of films, like he's made some really good movies. He also made Green Lantern in 2011. We're not going to hold that against him. No, no. I did. Oh, wow, was that movie bad? Oh, wow. Is that is that a highly polished turd movie? I may enjoy that now. I kind of what like, Green Lantern. Yeah. Oh, it's so bad. It, it's so bad. I cannot wait to talk to you about this. I, 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 Let me I, know when you're you, watching it because I'll watch it again. I, I, I've told you about my weird fascination with the movie Life Force because I like movies that people try really, really hard on even though they're awful. Oh, I, I've been meaning to watch Life Force actually. Is that available for streaming? I don't know. I own it, man, because that movie's great. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, I could put that with Leviathan and Deep Star Six. It really would have had a, a, a good home in that series. <laughs> That's true. Uh, no, it does not appear to be streaming anywhere. No, it's, it's occasionally it's on Netflix. I catch it there every so often. Uh, I'd love to do a commentary for that, but there's so much full frontal nudity in that movie. We can still do the commentary. We're not doing the full. (laughs) That's true. That you know of. Anyway. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we're talking about Casino Royale and Martin, Martin, what's his face? Yeah. Anyway, Martin Campbell did it. He's a good director. I didn't re- I didn't realize it. And as I was watching it, I was just thinking to myself, wow, you know, this is really competently directed. This is really well put together. The the scenes have a really good flow to them. The, you know, the editing is, is nice and tight, though. The way it's shot, it really does a good job of showing you the action. Like so many recent movies, they zoom in too far and then they shake the camera and you really can't tell what the hell's going on. Looking at you, Born Identity, looking at you. But 
this movie does a really good job of actually showing you the action and letting the action play out and, and showing you the, the scale of what's going on. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's not without a couple of issues here and there, but it's it, it took it kicks off the new movies in a very big way. Oh, he did the the first Zorro movie. I like that one. Both of them, I think. No, it's not listed on. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, never mind. There it is. It's got a weird pacing issue at the very end of the movie, which is different for Bond movie. And it's interesting. Like when you start watching a lot of the Bond movies, you start to see the, the way the formula works. The formula is there. From the classic ones. It's just that they've gotten rid of the, the campiness. Yeah, true that. And they're not winking at the screen anymore. No, no, they're not. All right. I think that wraps you up. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Okay, so we are now on episode five of The Mandalorian. If I remember correctly, or is it six? I have n- no idea. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alerts, people. Also, we can't call it The Mandalorian. Now it's just The Baby Yoda Show with featuring, featuring the, Mandalorian. the Mandalorian. I love him so much, Robert. Remember how I said very early on that I am worried that the show is going to try to skate on its Star Wars and not be very good? And then they had an episode that happened on Tatooine and proved a lot of my thinking correct. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> but you know what? You know what? We could go someplace better. So I'm not... Episode five. Yeah, they got three episodes left to go to do something to, to prove me wrong. So I, I will let it happen. I'm going to send you a picture right now. Okay. Is it a baby Yoda? Because that, that is the thing that has united the world. No, it's not just a picture of baby Yoda. It's a picture of the, of my phone right now in the can, in the, in the, um, photo album. Okay. Okay. I think this goes to show you that I might love him as much as I love my own children, maybe even a bit more. <laughs> So it's a picture. It's so, a so picture let, no, 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 no. Of let, a grid of photos. Yeah, yeah. Let me, let me, let me say this in order. So this, this is Jonathan's photo album. Picture of his daughter playing in a, a, a an upright thingy. Baby Yoda. 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 Uh, that picture I sent you of the Macho Man. <laughs> I kept it because it's freaking amazing. Yep. It's freaking amazing. And then some picture. I'm assuming you're. What? What? What is that? She's nine months in that picture. Oh, it's her nine-month picture. Oh, she's on a blanket. I thought it was something one of your kids had drawn, but that's a baby there. It's very tiny. It's hard for me to see. Then a, your daughter, then your daughter, then your daughter. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. What you can't see is if you scroll, you get be- you do another string of Baby Yodas. Baby Yoda. There is something magical about Baby Yoda. He's amazing. You know why? It's because he's a little kid first. Like when he reaches over and starts touching the controls. Yeah. I have that problem with Amelia every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Barry likes touching phones so, so much. I had her in the front seat of my truck because we were waiting. Um, we were waiting outside of a business for somebody was inside. I can't remember who. Yeah. And uh, she kept like leaning forward and touching the touchscreen in the in the truck to, to make the radio change. Cause and effect. Babies love that. Cause and effect. All right. Well, my last thing uh, of today. I started my D&D game. I'm so so happy i'm playing DD again i realized i have not run a homebrew campaign setting since the year 2000 <laughs> oh wow yeah yeah that campaign convinced me i shouldn't do that anymore uh because things went poorly <laughs> it's been nice it's been nice i made some mistakes i i got my head way up because i've been working on that first adventure for like two weeks and I failed to communicate some key parts of it because I had read it and been up its own butt so much that I, I, I just assumed everybody knew that because obviously they know everything I'm thinking, right? That's how things work, right? Sure. You just broadcast your thoughts with, with your psychic. Yeah. 
yeah, no, there were there were mistakes were made, mistakes were made. But overall, people seem to like it. The best part was the best part. The campaign's about uh, there's a kingdom. It got taken over by an evil overlord. The for about a hundred years, the evil overlord died thirty years ago, and a lot of people don't believe he's actually dead because he's been dead before and he came back like a bad comic book villain. But he's been dead straight for thirty years, so people are kind of starting to buy it now. Uh, one of the characters whose uh, name is Lorenzo, he has decided to get the heirs of uh, one of the duchies together to go retake the family lands because basically one of the people who has moved back and is trying to basically take over the kingdom at this point is somebody he doesn't like. So he's trying to make competition for this guy. And that's where we started. So he's gathered up a group of people who used to live there. They fled when the evil overlord was there or their families fled because it was a hundred years ago and they're coming back to take back their ancestral lands. That's one of the things I failed to communicate was they, we were not starting on their ancestral lands. We were going to do a little bit of the journey into there. But um, I had him run into one of the groups that had risen up in the wake of all of this, which uh, I called the Golden Hand. And their symbol is a golden six-fingered hand. So they got to this checkpoint and they thought they were going to be taxed. But it turns out that somebody knew they were coming. And so basically put a, put a word out that like you could capture uh, three of these people and ransom them for money. So, of course, they had to like murder everybody. And it's D&D, which is obviously what happened. But what was really funny was after they were done with that, they decided that they, uh, you know, because uh, I didn't really ask them if they murdered everybody or if they didn't. And so they kind of decided they murdered about half of them because they figured people who died to spells and arrows, there's, there's not a real way to not murder somebody with an arrow to the head. Like that kind of doesn't work. So they decided anybody they smacked physically, they let, let live. And one of my players who is uh, playing a combination of Tyrion Lannister and Sylvando from Dragon Quest XI uh, he wrote a letter that was epic because he wrote this letter basically to the Golden Hand leadership, the council, uh, completely in character and basically had like this hidden subtext of if you do not rejoin the kingdom uh, and, you know, bend the knee to us, we're going to hang you all as traitors. And it was it was it was it was it was a bit of role playing that was that was excellent. And and it made the whole night. It was just oh, it was so good. It was so Good, Jonathan. I'm so pleased about it. So nice. I will have to send you the text of this letter because it is it is well fork it. I have it right here. Okay, should be on its way. It's here. <laughs> El mama de oro. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, if I if I talk about it all, the the area we're playing in is is fantasy Spain. I, I decided to base it off of fantasy Spain. <laughs> Who came up with this name? What? Who came up with this name? Which name? There's a lot of names. Don Lorenzo Abogado <laughs> de Zuniga, humble servant of Duce Leon Belmonte de Calabria and Duchessa Cassandra Belmonte de Calabria. <laughs> okay. Uh, Don Lorenzo, uh, that is our long lost third member of the podcast. So go back and listen to the first two episodes if gotcha. you want to know more about him. Uh, Leon. Okay. So. We were trying to figure out a, a name for the, the the royal family when we were making up characters, and we we stumbled onto the Belmonts, who are or the Belmonte family, Belmont, Belmonte, whatever, uh, a real family. Because I uh, I said that the the Furball Giants, we're we're giving them like Italian names basically, and then the uh, the country Spain, so everybody else, the the humans have Spanish names, and there was a noble family that originally was from Italy that took over a section of of you know medieval Spain, and it was the Belmonte family, so fit. <laughs> and then because it was the Belmonts, uh, uh, one of the characters just, you know, started naming his ancestors off of the various Belmonts from Castlevania. And, uh, yeah. 
and 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 uh, Calabria is the uh, is the name of their castle. Actually, uh, we just stole that direct from them. So yeah, and here here is your hidden truth, game masters out there. Uh, don't bother making stuff up. Real history is just full of cool stuff that you can just steal, and and no one owns the rights to it. It's cool. <laughs> So yes, uh, the 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 two leaders of the house are uh, are furball giants, and yeah, they're Leon and uh, Cassandra. And then uh, I, one of the reasons we're setting it in Spain is because you know Duke and Count. That's so that's so dumb. But like Spanish titles are rad because it's Duke spelled D U Q U E, and then female dukes are not duchesses; they're duquesas. And it's not counts; it's uh, contes and contesses, and and just the names are better. <laughs> <laughs> the names are so badass and it's uh vice counts aren't vice counts they're viscontes and viscontesses and it's oh, just so good it's so it's so good jonathan <laughs> so there we go so we were playing in fantasy spain and and i i think i've talked to you into playing it because i've decided that the bad guys the uh the the, the casanaro family i i want them played by somebody because then you know they'll respond organically instead of narratively, which might be interesting. So I, I I'm cooking up a game. Do I can I get play to with use you. an accent. Only uh, I'm designing our game since we're not anywhere remotely near each other, uh, to be a little bit more play by post where, you know, I can give you prompts and you can, you, you can write them in, in character if you want and you can, you full yeah, on. Yeah. 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 So, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I've got an idea. I, I think we're going to play kind of a version of fate. I think is how I'm going to run it. Cause, uh, I, I looked up a bunch of stuff for like running colonies because I was going to do a space colony game for a while. And, and I, I think I can port a lot of that over to, you know, running a kingdom and, and you coming up with schemes and reacting to the players because you're, I mean, that, that's part of the problem. You're going to have your own problems in the area that you control and you can't always focus on, you know, these people. So, you know, but you deciding whether to do something or not will, will affect the game, which will be interesting. So we'll see how that works out. We'll see how that works out. It's a little experimental, but I like it. Because another thing I have learned about being a game master, Jonathan, if you can offload any of this stuff onto other people, you like you should because it makes it better. Collaborative world building works way better than you just coming up with your own insanity yourself because people throw things at you that you don't, you know, always expect. And, you know, it makes the whole tapestry richer when everybody's working on it. I like it. I like it. All right, I, uh, let's do your let's do your board games because this segment's going long and we already have like an additional segment to do. Uh, not a ton to talk about here. I did play a couple more board games, uh, mostly with the kids this week. A uh, bunch of games with Terrors of London. Sweet. Continuing to have fun with have that. Have you pulled out any of the expansions you bought last time? I did. Nice. I did. Uh, the four-player expansion is interesting. I like it. Nice. I want to play it a couple more times before I pass final judgment. Played some more Sanctum. Right. Totally not Diablo the board game. Totally not Diablo the board game, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then finally, I got my Cthulhu Death May Die kickstarter pledge in the mail nice and so i whipped it open and started reading through the rules it's very straightforward from a play perspective so now i am just needing to get it on the table with a couple of people and uh i think that will be a deep dive coming up Ooh, i rob daviau and eric lang high-fiving each other in design oh hold on how did i not hear about this maybe i did <sighs> i mean i am i'm no longer part of pop culture because i am i'm too old oh it's a seamon game mm-hmm I, I did not hear about this. I'm bad about culture right now. I apologize. Well, I will save any opinions I have over these beautiful freaking minis if we do a deep dive on it. Oh, it's good. They're really nice. It's got They're Hastur. Really, really nice. It's got Hastur. Oh, it's so good. The King in Yellow, my friend, have you unmasked? 
have you unmasked? So I don't want to go too much into it. Um, from what I've read, uh, I, I like what I see there. Mm-hmm. The real question is, can it unseat Mansions of Madness? Wow. The thought that you may even put it in the same spot is interesting. All right. All right. Well, hopefully, maybe, maybe that'll be one of our... Well, no, actually, we've got January covered. So come back in February? <laughs> <laughs> good. I'm going to need some time. Good. Good. There you go. That's your homework. So February. We'll, we'll pencil that in for episode... What? That'd be 80. Man, how crazy is that? Mm-hmm. Well, that brings us to the end of what we've had off of the shelf. But that is not the end of this segment because we have a new little mini segment we're adding in. Uh, it's a, <laughs> part one of a 26-part series, No Time to Bond, where we will be watching the 007 movies in order by release date, including that abysmal thing that they put out in the 80s. Yeah, Never Say Never Again. I'm excited for that movie. That movie is funner to talk about as a coda for Thunderball, but we'll get there when we get there. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to start out in 1963, the very beginning of the Bond. What do you call a 26 part movie? I mean, it's, it's, we're well past decology at this point. Series? I mean, yeah. I, I don't even know what you'd call it. Franchise? Will we wrap up by April when the new one comes out? No, no, because 26 parts, that, that's a full year for us. It, yeah, that is a full year. Yeah. Wow, 2020, year of the Bond. Yeah. All right, well, let's dive in with Dr. No, 1963, the film that started it all. So you watched it? I watched it. I did. I did indeed. <laughs> well, let's, let's, get the, let's get the negativity out of the way. Uh, they should have called it Dr. Whitewash because, oh, my God. Oh, my God, right? <laughs> like, not even a little bit. <laughs> Just <laughs> so there are three Asian speaking characters in that movie. And the only one that's not basically a tour guide is um they're played by white people which uh come on people come on i mean yeah yeah, it's british british actress for uh the secretary yeah mrs taro taro t-a-r-o yeah Yeah. british actor for the uh for the main german slash chinese yeah uh, i I like how they tried to hand wave it's like my mother was chinese i'm like you know what sir as a father of three half asian children you do not look half asian you shut up. <laughs> yeah. So, man, yeah, that, that 1963, yeah, you're showing your true colors there. All right, so interesting things I want to I want to point out having done been down this road before. Keep an eye on Bond's fedora. He wore it for most of this film. He did indeed, but watch how long that lasts cuz cuz we are at the end of the cycle of the fedora being high class. I'm just spoiler alert. Keep an eye on his hat and his suits. See how long he keeps his suits on for the entire film? Because that's interesting. But And then, obviously, like, the Bond film formula has not been invented yet. Like, you see the nuggets of it here. But, you know, typically Bond... It's very close to the final form. Like, I mean, what an opening salvo in terms of knowing what you're trying to make. Right, but they... Typically, Bond movies, they'll have three locations that they go to somewhere in the world that are exotic and cool and this one takes place almost entirely in jamaica (laughs) i can think of much worse places to be true 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 but they typically they would move around the world a little bit and i know that's why they filmed this one first because it's one of the few books where they don't move around too much the book takes place entirely in jamaica so that's why they chose it to be first but i I also find it interesting that for a film that took place in jamaica i did not see a lot of people of color no there's it's amazing how many white folks there are in that yeah i think there's two speaking parts of of uh people of color and what like several of them where it probably should be a person of color it's just not (laughs) yeah it it, i mean 
Yeah. It's a different time. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different time. But I will say this. It's tougher to watch than you'd expect. Yeah, I, I would agree. There's uh it's it's decidedly uncomfortable when you take the time to really look at it. I mean, yes, it's a period it, it's a product of it of its period but at the same time man we've come a long that, ways that that uh, that whole bit with uh, miss tarot where okay so bond is i would say like 98 percent sure that she works for the bad guys <laughs> at some point in the movie and like she asks him out on a date she's using that as a setup, yeah to get him murdered but you know of course he evades the setup so he goes on the date with her and Kind of, a little rapey because like she expected a little she expected dude she's obviously not actually thinking about going on a date with this dude and homeboy just shows up and suddenly he's not wearing a shirt yeah and he's like yeah we're totally gonna bone down now we're gonna go down to pound town even though you thought i was gonna be dead this is what's gonna happen and then you know and then by then he's like 100 sure and just keeps like pushing her into like doing stuff and then gets her arrested because ah ah that's the, oh. yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. it, 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 by far, like the Connery bond is, is the rapiest of the bonds. Just not cool, man. <laughs> I, 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 I'd like complete. not to mention the hands on sexual harassment that he's given uh, money. Pay. Yeah. Oh, man. Like there's, there's, there's an office scene at the beginning of that movie where you're just like, ah, oh, you can't. No. Oh. Know your boundaries, sir. Oh, and then like uh, Honey Rider. Oh, my God. Like that whole scene where they're like they're having like you know the Bondian dinner and you know he totally is like leave the and, and, they, and they keep referring to her as the girl even even though it's played by <laughs> Ursula Andress it's like leave the girl out of this she doesn't have anything to do with this and he's like yeah it's quite right let's go put her in an overly elaborate easily escapable death trap where she'll drown as the tide comes in <laughs> <laughs> so that we can continue our conversation just men yeah uh, but yeah they keep referring so to her as the girl and it's like oh, come on I mean. Dude, that lady, like, like, she's got she's got herself a business where she goes and gets shells and she she swims and hunts them with a knife and sells them well enough to make money. I mean, come on! And I'm pretty yeah. sure Ursula Andress is dubbed in that. I'm not I'm not entirely sure, but it, I don't. I think you're right. Uh, oh. Yeah. So let's let let's do this. If we look at it as just a movie, let, let's remove 1963 from this because <laughs> we 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 know with these films when we go back we're gonna have some issues, right? right. They are they are a product of the society that wrote them and created. Them. Right, right. We, we we have to we have to acknowledge that and take take it with a grain of salt. But let's look at it as just a film for a moment. What did you think of the film? I mean, it's hard to remove it from its time because I don't know how long the spy genre has been around, but I I have a feeling that that's kind of like its baby form. And so I've seen a lot of spy movies that have done what it's trying to do way better at this point. And it's kind of hard to like separate that if you try to like if you try to remo- like by today's standards the plot line would be a, a, a very it, it would be an asylum film or something like it'd be something direct to like you know video or netflix or yeah. something like plot plot structure wise it's just it's just kind of bad it's it's obviously a little cheaply made because they you know didn't have all the money in the world to produce it even though it made yeah. oh my god did it make money compared to its budget i think they filmed it for like three hundred thousand dollars I mean, given that's 1963 money, but it made something like 20 million in 1963 money, which that's a pretty good return. It made a boatload of money off of a very small budget. Yeah. And you can see how small the budget was because honestly, at the end, I mean, is it just me or does that movie wrap up in 18 seconds? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, true that. You're like huge fight against the boss and the base is exploding. We're barely going to make it out and end credits. Yep. Sounds about right. Not not even a, a, a clever quip at the end. No, 
Yeah, if, if we remove 1963 from the equation, just from a purely filmmaking perspective, there's some serious pacing issues near the end. Uh, and there is no ending. I mean, the, the, the movie ends basically with an explosion and then a... Not even a, an explosion. It's a nuclear meltdown. I mean, yeah, let's, but let's call it what it is. No, like, it wasn't because nobody got irradiated. Sure. <laughs> let's not talk about how Jamaica would be uninhabitable for the next two million years. But yeah, hey, I'll, yeah I'll buy that for a dollar. Yeah, no. Yeah, Bond Bond has a nuclear melt. Like, yeah, that's that's part of the problem. Like, his solution to the problem is like, oh, well, there's a nuclear reactor. We'll just make it go critical and blow up the island. It'll be fine. And it's like, no, that is not <laughs> fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's how Godzilla gets made, sir. Yeah, th- there, hey, there you go. How's that head cannon? You know, <laughs> same universe, same baby. Universe. Like, yeah, the, the, <laughs> it wasn't the atomic explosions at, in '53. It was, it was the no, it was, it was Bond. It was Bond. Bond created Godzilla. I like it. That that's a crossover I'd watch. <laughs> but from a, from a filmmaking perspective, taking into account that the technology they had available at the time, I mean, it it's fine. You see a lot of the framework that they would come to rely on for the next twenty five films. It's there, mm-hmm. especially the beginning and especially the middle. Their biggest problem is the ending. It's, it's like they, they just ran out of money. Agreed. But since we're doing this in, in order, one of the other things you get to look at that's kind of fun is just kind of just seeing society change. Like 63, Bond's wearing a suit. He's wearing a fedora. He always wears a suit. Even in freaking Jamaica. <laughs> like he's Yeah, all of the British guys are. Yeah, and the American, because I think Felix Leader's there too. Felix Leiter. And that, of course... Uh, is the only time I believe that it was played by Jack Lord of Hawaii Five O Three. Yeah, I, I think so. I think they switch it to somebody. Felix comes back. He's been played by a lot of people. Like his code name. Felix has been a mainstay of the of the series without a doubt. But I I think Jack Lord only played him in Doctor Nor or Doctor. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I, although Joe Don Baker is obviously the best one from the Brazil era, obviously. Which is funny because Joe Don Baker was also the bad guy in. Um, <laughs> Uh, so that's the not living daylights. Uh, the other one. Yeah. Yeah, he was. So weird. Quinky dink. <laughs> he obviously got surgery to make him look like that guy for reasons. Cause it's all one contiguous timeline, right? Like all those movies <laughs> happen to one person. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, I'll, I'll rate the first, uh, the first bond movie is like a little like, it's a little uncomfortable. <laughs> okay in the bond franchise felix Leiter has been played by one two three four five six seven eight eight different actors that's impressive across 26 movies <laughs> that is impressive considering there's only been what five five bonds six bonds six bonds including lazenby, um, I think, right conry lazenby Moore, Moore, dalton broslin dalton brosnan craig yeah is that five or six i wasn't counting six okay yeah i was right Boom. I so want Erdris Alba to be the next Bond. I so want that to happen. I think he'd be fabulous. I, I, I just... He's such a, a great actor. I, I don't know if you know this about me, but sometimes I feed off the hate on the internet, and I know that would make so much hate on the internet, and I would I would enjoy it. Oh, I I could care less about that. I, could, I, I mean, would reach into the internet and just start like, rubbing British... it on my body and just go, oh, that hate. Yes. He's a quintessential British actor. Like, he's a remarkable talent. He can do the full spectrum of emotions. And if you've ever seen Luther, you can see just how good a bond is. No, oh, yeah, no. I'm not, I'm not even debating that. Luther's so good. I'm not even. De- what an amazing it, it show. Would, it would be great. But I, I, I might. Man, I, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm putting it on record. I man crush, seriously man crush Idris Elba. Oh, my. I like this. All right, all right. Well, let's talk about the future. Let's talk about the future. So. 
And there, there, we don't have time to bond over this, sir. There's no time to bond. I see what you did. Ah, see? I, I will say this. I will say this. In terms of sexualization and the, the general treatment of women, being that I know what's coming, this was very tame. <laughs> yes. We have not had Goldfinger yet where he slaps a woman on the bottom and says, time to go, darling. Man talk. <laughs> <laughs> they have like that indie whip sound effect oh my god how about when in from russia with love when he slaps a woman for being hysterical uh yeah that calm down uh, anyway anyway we're getting ahead of ourselves and that, that means we're done i think i think if we're getting ahead of ourselves i think i think we're done i think we, i think it's time to move on close this close this chapter for we, week. we very much want to hear what you guys thought of this <laughs> this movie it is a uh, very much a, a, a function of its time yeah what, what are you going to rate it? All right, I rated so it. After, I rated it as a, uh, it's a little uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So on a scale of one, which I would consider to be just like supremely uncomfortable to 10, this is a good serviceable movie that I thoroughly enjoyed. Where would you put this? Uh, if one, uh, three or four, it's, it's kind of bad. <laughs> it's kind of, there's just a lot of points where I'm like, Oh, that's just not cool, man. <laughs> Having the context of the whole series, I'm going to give it a solid four. I don't know. Miss, Mrs. Tarot, I forgot about that. That That is just messed up. That, uh, yeah. uh, uh. The, 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 whitewashing, the whitewashing hurts. No, no. It's, it's that he, he full on know, knows that she. Oh, well, yeah, she, yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's Rapey Connery. Yeah, uh, that, that might be the. Is, I, I can't think of a worse thing he does, to be honest with you. Although maybe Octopus. Oh, he's going to top the hell out of that one. Let me tell you. I can't remember what he does. I, it's been so long. Oh, man. I've, I've, been, I've been preparing myself okay. for, for some of these. Movies. All right, all right, all right. It, trust me, by some of the things that occur in later Bond movies, uh, this is pretty darn tame. Okay. That, that's horrifying. <laughs> all right so this was 1962 dr no that means next up is if i recall correctly from russia with love uh let's i think I which think, is the very next year i think you're right but i'm i'm, I'm double checking on the internet because I, I, the 60s were amazing they were pumping one of these suckers out like once a year for the first good stretch oh, here we go here yeah we go. 63 yeah okay yeah from russia with love diamond jaw forever directed by guy hamilton oh and i'm um, sorry dr no direct oh no the first two were directed by terrence young who, who he directed a lot of them. I, th- I think he came back at some point. Um, hold on, I can tell you here in a second. I'm yeah, he came, he came back one. for Thunderball. That's right. We'll see that name again. Oh God, Thunderball! I remember that one being bad. Anyway, yes, uh, Terrence. It's got a cool scene where they land the plane in the water. Anyway, yes, the the first two movies are directed by Terrence Young, who. Oh man, he was born in Shanghai, China, in 1915. There you go. And he, wow, he's directed a lot of stuff. And apparently we lost him in 94, so a while ago. There you go. I think we're done. I think we can close out the segment. It's only an hour and a half long. This is going to be so fun to edit. Really? Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're editing this, not me. Uh, All right. This brings us to the end of this segment. We are going to go ahead and take a quick break. And when we return, it will be time, as always, for our Wisdom of Crowd segment. We love getting feedback, so please let us know how we're doing by hitting us up at one of the following. You can join us on Patreon, where we post bonus content. You can also message us or tweet at us on the Twitter. Find us at Forgot My Dice. You can join us in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash FMD podcast. 
If you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give Forgot My Dice a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Lastly, for those of you seeking experiences beyond our concepts of pleasure and pain, set the Lamont configuration to full hell mode. Oddly, you can find us in several levels of the labyrinth as the only thing playing on the radio. Wait, what? I have such sights to show you, Jonathan. Ah, oh, I need to take your Netflix account away from you. And welcome back from the break. It is now time for our Wisdom of Crowd segment. This is, of course, our bi-weekly tabletop news segment. And this is going to be a turbo one. There's almost nothing. This is such a dead time of the year. It is. It is December. All right. So uh, I've got more than you. So I'm going to start you off with my sadness and I'm going to end with your joy. Jonathan, are you prepared for this? All right. All right. I see the sadness. I am not okay with this. Yeah. So over Thanksgiving weekend, uh, Joel Hodgson and the crew officially announced that Netflix canceled Mystery Science Theater 3000. Netflix, I'm not mad at you. I'm just really, really disappointed in your actions. Yeah, just so disappointed. Thought you were better than that. Joel has said, you know, much like uh, Commander Spock, MST3K has been dead before, so he, he's promising to try to get it on something. MST3K is ripe for YouTube. Shout Factory, which uh, does a lot of the DVDs of it, they, they're starting up a... I know they have a streaming channel, and they're doing stuff on Twitch and YouTube, and honestly, I mean, <laughs> considering just how full of garbage Amazon Prime is, <laughs> I, I, I don't know why they don't just embrace that and do that there too. I mean, come on. I mean, they gave me deep star six and Leviathan back to back. Oh, there's oh, the, dude. Uh, I will Wheaton's the curses on there. I, I think some of the Chud movies are there's so many bad movies. Chud on Amazon is. Prime. The first Chud is. Yeah. Oh. If I'd had a little bit more time, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Nightbreed. I was watching Nightbreed the other day. They have the Rift Tracks version of Retro Puppet Master, a.k.a. I Puppet can't Master, wait to I talk think, to you seven. About Wars. <laughs> it, that might be a while. The holidays are coming. It's, it's bad for gaming and everything. And I, I got three days of the Condor to watch, baby. I got, I got stuff. So anyway, sorry. Sorry. Hold on. Let me, let me cleanse myself of this sadness. Speaking of which, you, you have more than you think you do, because you got to tell me about Dune Watch really quick, because you usually save that for the news these days. Any, anything on Dune Watch? Or? No, I would have put it in. Nothing. Uh, okay. Dune Watch All is right. quiet. <laughs> We've... <laughs> We've got a release date. By the time this episode comes out, we will officially be in the T minus one year and counting. The board game's out. I mean, really, next thing for us is going to be to review the board game. All right. So what's your first bit of news? <coughs> I'm dying. That's not news. We, we, have a, we have an episode titled, Hold On, I'm Dying, and that was all about you. All right. First bit of news for me is that the Star Wars Armada series is getting another expansion. This time, it's time to intensify forward firepower. The Onager-class Star Destroyer is coming to Star Wars Armada. Onager. Which one's that? That's the one that looks like a Star Destroyer on the back end, but then it widens out like a hammerhead shark in the front end because it's nothing but guns. Hey, Jonathan. Yes. I hate hate to tell you this, buddy. We have already covered that. Did we talk about this one? We talked about the hammerhead one. Yeah, I remember that. No, but that's the hammerhead. that, That was the hammerhead Corvette from Rogue One. That was on the Rebel side of things. No, no, this was the Star Destroyer. Oh, no, we haven't <laughs> talked about it. They just announced it. I guarantee you we covered that. I guarantee you. Well, whether we have or not, it's in the news again. It's coming, All Robert. Right. Let it happen. All right. <laughs> All right. There's no news right now, Robert. If we have to recycle, then you know what? Reduce, reuse, recycle. 
you go front, you go back. You turn them inside out and go front to back. It's called recycling. <laughs> it looks dope, by the way. I was looking at yeah, some it does of the, look dope. The, the stats on it. The stats are off the charts. It's got huge range and a tremendous front arc. I mean, this thing is just, uh, it's got no back end, but. Is that a euphemism for the way it looks? It's tremendous oh, front arc. That too. Anyway, I'm happy that Star Wars Armada is still getting expansions. That totally pleases me. I love that game. Well, more, more sad news. Uh, Cubicle 7. You're not in a good place in this episode. Cubicle 7 announced that it has lost the license to Lord of the Rings due to a contractual dispute with the uh, the property holder. And because of that, they will not be publishing, even though apparently it's like done, uh, The One Ring 2nd Edition. And as of the beginning of next year in 2020, at some point, they will not be able to sell anything ever again. So, yes, if you are interested in the One Ring RPG, which I hear is excellent, and I have been collecting the 5th edition conversion, the Adventures in Middle-Earth, off and on for a while, uh, get that before it becomes out of print and hard to find. I have heard the Merkwood campaign is especially good, so that is next on my list of things to get, because I have been dying to run a D&D game. That's on my D&D bucket list, is running a game in a giant forest. I don't know why that interests me so much, but it does. So there you go. Cubicle 7 loses the Lord of the Rings license for role-playing games. Jonathan? I think it was last year that I was playing Sniper Elite, right? Sounds about right, yes. Yeah. Well, guess what? Rebellion is going into board games. And their first board game is going to be Sniper Elite, the board game, based on the video game. Intriguing. I wonder how you do that. They've uh, launched a new game division. It's called Rebellion Unplugged. And uh, this will be a competitive stealth action game for two to four players. How wild is that, by the way? Yeah, they're far from the only one. Yeah, yeah, but there was a period of time where it became kind of like in vogue for video game companies to release sort of a a board game. Typically, they were pretty good, but they would release kind of a vanity. I would, I would call it a vanity board game. It's to just kind of say it's like we've got this bitchin' board game. Behold, isn't it awesome? And then you're like, yes, yes, it is. It is quite awesome. But like now I'm hearing more and more uh, video game companies actually opening up like board gaming studios to use their properties in, which is bizarre. Like who would have thought, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of a closing of a circle, right? Yeah. In a weird way. Yes, it is. Like civilization is the ultimate example of that. Civilization was a board game that spawned a video game that then spawned a new board game. But, but, uh, but it's not like Fraxis is opening up a game company to produce future iterations of the board game or who knows, maybe they will at some point, but no, they're licensing their stuff out. Right, right, right. But yeah, no, it's it's just bizarre. Like if cuz here here's what this says. Here's what this says. It's not it's not that they're doing it or whatever. It's that cuz like I could buy a company, a random company just doing it because they love board games or whatever. It's that several companies are doing it, which is telling me it's profitable enough that they want to. You know, it's not that it's just this niche thing that they're doing because it's fun or they like it or they have passion Industry and they can make up, a little buddy. scratch. Industry I know, it's bizarre. Up. Like who would have thought? Who would have thought, right? It's a great sign. I mean, there's two things that really, really show me that we've gotten to mainstream. The first is, like you said, the fact that other, you know, media companies are opening up board game divisions. That's that's an important turning point. The other one to me is the fact that um, there's a problem with piracy. Mm -hmm. That is a sign of health of the industry. Yeah, because it's profitable to pirate. That's that's true, too. I mean, it it sucks. I mean, piracy is terrible. Publishers lose money, but... The fact that it exists is is a sign of the overall health of the industry. So there you go. Sniper Elite, the board game. Uh, apparently, they're talking about having it in Kickstarter in 2020. 
Neat. Well, groovy. And if you happen to be at PAX Unplugged, I guess they had a copy of it there. Uh, Ray went to PAX Unplugged, and he has not posted what he played. Ray, if you uh, played the Sniper Elite board game, we'd love to hear about it. Yeah, yeah. He said he he just didn't have the bandwidth yet to. This is exciting. You know, one of the designers worked on Undaunted Normandy, which is a great game. Right? What kind of topsy turvy world do we live in? I am suddenly very interested in this. All right, Jonathan, this this one's for you, buddy. This one's for you. Are you sitting back? Are you are you ready to let this wash through you? Hit it. All right. Paradox Interactive has announced with Hunters Entertainment and Renegade Games. Yes, the I heard Apocalypse about this. 5th edition is coming out uh, in 2021. So we're more than a year away. Uh, Hunters Entertainment obviously makes, or maybe not obviously, they're not a huge company, but uh, they make Kids on Bikes, which I know Ray's friend bought last year at Pax Unplugged, if great. I remember my stories. Yep. Uh, they also made Outbreak Undead, uh, first and second edition, which is a fine role-playing game by all accounts. And then Renegade Games is, uh, they make the role-playing game Overlight. Uh, they make Clank. They make Lanterns. Good stuff all around. Good companies. So there you go, man. The, the werewolf, because I know you love them werewolves. I do. I do. I'm really excited about this. Yeah. Yeah. Werewolf the Apocalypse. I, maybe, maybe I'm a bad person. I actually like Werewolf the Forsaken a little bit better because it's a little bit more pointed I, in my opinion but yeah the werewolf the apocalypse that was the first white wolf game i ever bought i remember that one because i didn't like vampires vampires suck i'm calling it now we're gonna be uh, deep diving that one. Oh, oh my all right and that's it i'm out of news it is december well there's only one last thing to do and that means that it's time for us to talk about what we were talking about a year ago in our year in the life segment Forgot My Dice, episode 53. You guys are worth family strife. We had Ray Greenlee on the show. See, that thought I told you to put in your pocket earlier? Take that out. This sips for you, buddy. <laughs> and then he deep dove uh, The Reckoners with us. I'd forgotten that because The Reckoners, when you talked about it, sounded familiar. But I'm like, I know you didn't talk about that game. How did I hear about it? And it's like, oh, this episode. There we go. That makes so much more sense now. <laughs> I enjoyed the reckoners yeah rated too he he was raving about it and you guys you guys yeah you 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 were infecting me with your 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 silliness with it i wanted to play i played that not too long ago dale brought it over I, yeah 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 i know i know we were talking about it but that was the thing like i knew we covered it on the show but i couldn't remember because it wasn't you like you didn't deep dive it and i couldn't remember what and it was ray ray deep dove it ray was on the show talking to us about games he deep dove it he taught the game to us yeah we needed to we need we need to have more ray on the show yeah is that our thing because the reason ray was on the show last year was because we were talking about how ray had been on the show (laughs) and he's like i want to be on the show again and we're like okay and then we arranged it and here we are ray it's a year later ray do you want to be on the show again ray have your people call our people which is basically (laughs) you call us (laughs) you message me on facebook and stick your head goes (laughs) Although, although, although we can text now, Ray, we're like, we're like almost real friends now, (laughs) not just Facebook (laughs) official. (laughs) That was a little, I'm sorry, Ray. That was a little, that that was, there was some shade in that. I'm sorry. I feel bad. You're a nice guy. (laughs) He sent me coffee. What the fork am I doing? You're such an asshole. I am. I am. And I see that with love. But you're the asshole I can love. Well, there we are. Put a bow on it. Go do some predictions. <laughs> it's going to be one of those nights. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our uh, segment. We're going to take another quick break. And when we return, it's that time again. It's been a year. 
we're going to be talking about predictions for 2020. Woo! Do you have a tabletop, board game, miniature game, or RPG that you're going to release for retail? Or do you have an upcoming tabletop Kickstarter that you're about to launch? We would love to interview you for a future episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Send us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview. And welcome back from the break. It is now time for our annual tradition. And the real question on everybody's mind, Robert, is am I going to do a three-peat? Or are you going to take the crown? Are you sure it's on everybody's mind or just yours? No, I'd say it's fair. It's everybody. <laughs> yeah. everybody. But before we get to the results of 2019, we have to lay down the groundwork for 2020, where I will be taking my fourth crown. Humble brag. Um, 20... <laughs> Without any further ado, you want to you uh, run us the rules real quick? Yeah, okay. So these are the rules, which we typically don't follow. Yeah, yeah. This is pretty much going to be broken within... Fit- 10 seconds. Yeah. Uh, we got to be able to score it or, or it has to be something. So whatever our prediction is, we have to be able to like quantify it in some way, which <laughs> typically when I can't do that, I just decide that you're going to be my quantifier. <laughs> if you agree that it's okay, then it must be okay. But yes, yeah, so we have to be able to quantify it and score it. Uh, we will score on a five point scale. So if we get something kind of like half right or whatever, we can we can assign it point values. And this is because that first year we started giving each other like half points and just being jerks. So so now no more no more of that. It's on a five point scale now. You can go in, you can zoom in for a sixth point uh, if, if your prediction is super specific. But if you fail it, you get nothing. And typically this is uh, part of our next thing. Uh, we started counter predicting in that first episode, even though that was not a part of the agreed upon rules. But you know what? It's fun anyway. So basically, if if I agree, if you make a prediction, Jonathan, and I agree with you and you don't want me, if you, if you don't want your thing to be a wash, you can try to go for the six pointer to make it super specific and and get me off the train. I put here that we're going to have three rounds, but last year we started doing four because because we're I don't know. We're gluttons for punishment. So we're doing a fourth round. We're doing a bonus fourth round now, which will become the new standard, the bonus fourth round. And uh, typically you start these things off, Jonathan. All right. All right. I'll go ahead and kick it off. I think that I'll start in uh, board games. I think that uh, next year we will see a record breaking Kickstarter board game. It will, will, will break all previous funding records. It's going to dethrone Kingdom Death? It is going to dethrone Kingdom Death. Okay. I, I will disagree. Kingdom, Kingdom Death made an absurd amount of money. <laughs> like, I, I don't know if that can be repeated. Because it, it hit on so it many levels. Be. I don't think we've seen the top of Kickstarter yet. I, 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 I think we're near the apex, but I don't think we are uh, quite over the top yet. Okay, if it happens, man, because because here's the thing: number two on board games is number two by a wide margin, an impressive margin, if I remember correctly. So yeah, I'm I, feeling I, good about this. I'm feeling good about this. All right, I I will disagree with you. I will disagree. Well, I'll start off this game with my with my rerun. It's the prediction I've made every year since we started this, and I've been wrong every year. So I'm just going to keep making it until I'm right, Jonathan, because I'm bound to be right one of these times. <laughs> right? Right. Let's hope. Let's hope. Uh, okay, so so stop me if you've heard this one before. We're about due for the next RPG thing. <laughs> God, I feel what? stupid saying it. I feel so stupid saying it. So in the 90s, D&D was king because D&D is always king. And we had 
uh, the World of Darkness games were the the obvious second choice. Not D&D big, but they were obviously like culturally relevant and blah, 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 blah. And in, you know, in the 2000s, we we had Pathfinder, I guess, or the, the D20 glut or whatever you want. But we don't have anything like that now. We don't have any clear second place. I'm going to say something is going to pop up in 2020. Do you agree or disagree? I will go more specific. I will basically repeat my thing from last year fully to do it if if I want to go for six. Fork it, Jonathan. I'm going for six. This game will exist because of a stream. Oh. It'll become big because Critical Role will not have competition because Critical Role is the World of Warcraft in the room. It is the juggernaut that cannot be dethroned. But there will be another one that, like, a lot of people are aware of. It'll be the obvious second place even though it's like half <laughs> of critical roles numbers, but it'll still be a very obvious second place and it will, it will dredge a game up from the depths and make it the, the next, the, the second place finisher, the obvious, there's going to be an obvious second place where people are kind of sick of D and D and everybody seems to be playing this other game. If they're sick of D and D. Hmm. I'm going for six. I'm feeling good about this. It's got to happen sometime. I can't be wrong this many years in a row. I'm going to disagree. No, that has only served you well. <laughs> Three years running. Do you want to go for six? Do you want to make a, uh, I don't know how you counter predict even more specifically than no, but. No, I don't think there is a way. I think that is the six point counter. <laughs> Can I just get one point for this? Just, just for tenacity. If I'm wrong again, <laughs> just kind of keep I'll holding on to that it. point. If something comes within, you know, like 20%. <laughs> No, just a free point. Just like you get a one point just because you've been making this dumb prediction for four years. Let's now. see how the score is doing next year. <laughs> if you're not doing well, I might just cave. <laughs> Me not doing well? I, I, I always score low, Jonathan. If, there, if there's been anything, I always score low. All right. All right. Round two. What is your, your <laughs> what's your next, predi- what's your, what's your second prediction, Jonathan? There's not a ton of DC movies coming out next year, but there's also not a ton of Marvel movies coming out next year. And the stuff that is coming out is a bit more obscure. So I'm going to say that the highest grossing superhero movie of next year is Wonder Woman 84. Oh, you're going to go with Wonder Woman 84. I think DC's going to win this year. Intriguing. You're beating, beating Black Widow. Yeah. Hmm. Let me see what the, there's another one coming out next year. Let me see what it is. Venom 2. No, that's not a Marvel movie. That's, that's like the wannabe Marvel movie. The Eternals? The Eternals. Oh, intriguing. Like, it, it's a B-team kind of year. I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping Black Widow is, is in the vein of Winter Soldier and we get a really good techno thriller spot. I love the trailer. The trailer looks really good. I agree. Although that trailer for Wonder Woman 1984 is pretty sweet. Yeah, I'll say that, I'll say that, that a, a DC property will be the top grossing superhero movie of next year. Hmm. DC movies. Well, see, because here's the thing. Joker, 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 like, wrecked this year. It made a bunch of money. Yeah, but it didn't make Endgame money. Uh, I think it made a billion, though. I mean, that's a lot of money. Yeah, okay, so Endgame made, like, multiple billions. Well, it made two. Uh, okay, so. <laughs> There's a big year, difference between one and two billion. We have Birds of Prey. Wonder Woman. Oh, Morbius is coming out next year. <laughs> And Venom 2? Oh, my gosh. And the yeah, Eternals. you see what I mean? It's like a B-list. 
Do you think it's Wonder Woman or do you think it's any it, it, or, or Birds I of think, Prey? I think DC will take it and I think Wonder Woman's the one that'll do it. I, I feel like you should agree with me on this one. I really I feel strong about this one. I don't I don't know because I, I I mean here's the thing like Kevin Feige man he's got that magic sauce I don't know what it is yeah but it, it's it, I'm not saying that the Marvel movies aren't going to be um, profitable but I don't think they'll be record breaking and I think Wonder Woman has all kinds of buzz after the first one and I think the 80s are hot right now I think it's the perfect storm intriguing I'm gonna go out on a limb I'm gonna say no I I disagree with that wow I'm surprised I thought you were gonna go with me on that one. No, I think I think Black Widow or Eternals are going to make more money. Like Eternals is so weird, it might <laughs> it might just be genius. Cuz I have been reading about the Eternals and it's bizarre and I'm like I don't know how you'd film it. So it's either going to be amazing or it's going to be Thor 2. <laughs> <laughs> Which was not Thor 3. <laughs> no, and it definitely wasn't Thor 1. You know, and part of me hopes I'm wrong because Marvel Marvel could use a little scuff in their armor to kind of make them, you know, to kick them in the butt a little bit and try harder. I'll go as far as to say I bet Wonder Woman will break a billion. The first one only did 820 million. Only. Only. We'll see. We'll see. I'm going to disagree. I'm, I think a Marvel movie, I think a Marvel movie will still beat out Wonder Woman. Okay. All right. All right. My turn. Indeed. All right. So a, a couple episodes ago, I was about to talk about some crackpot theory I had and I said I should wait until now. Here it is. This is the now 2020. We'll see the release of the player's handbook two from wizards of the coast or the PHB 5.5. Say that again. Wizards will release the player's handbook two or a player's handbook 5.5 where they basically do a, they basically reprint the player's handbook, Mm -hmm. but it has all the errata in it. Um, and some updated rules and options and stuff hmm. and like, like new archetypes for every class and stuff. So to try to give you a reason to buy the rule book you already own again, I don't think we're there yet. I think I'm going to give that another year You give that another year. I'm going to disagree. You're going to disagree. Okay. Okay. So noted for the Which record. is not to say that I don't think they're going to have some D and D surprises. No. And we'll get to that. I don't think that we're getting a three, uh, a, a 3.5 situation this year. Well, it might just be the PHP two. I, I I just have a feeling they're 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 about to they're about to release like a big a big like player focused supplement. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. I'm gonna disagree. Okay. All right. Your third choice. You know where I think Disney's gonna find their magic in twenty twenty? Go on. I think that Disney's top grossing film of twenty twenty is gonna be Mulan. Oh yeah, that preview looked good. It's interesting, it looks like a Wuja movie and not like a one of their live action ones. Yeah, it uh, it looks like the right mix of stuff. Now, now, are you including all Disney holdings, including Lucasfilm and the Marvel Cinematic? No, no, or no. Is it, or is it just the Disney the, branded? The Disney branded movies. Okay, okay, okay. I think Mulan is going to be the, the their big winner next year. Okay, I need to see what else is coming out. How weird! It's so weird seeing 20th Century Fox films in on this list. Mm-hmm. The New Mutants, Artemis Fowl. That's a good book series. Yeah, I think that'll be this year's John Carter. Probably, but they may surprise us. <laughs> there's a Bob's Burger movie coming out. That'll be funny. Oh, well, there's a thorn. What's that? The Jungle Book starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson is coming Jungle out. Jungle Cruise. Year. Yeah, The Jungle Cruise. I think Mulan will top Jungle Cruise. I think Jungle Cruise will be healthy. I'll disagree. There's two things on the list that might dethrone it. One, they've got an animated movie coming out 
in November called Raya and the Last Dragon, which animated family fare tends to do pretty well. So yeah, I'm going to disagree. I don't think it'll be Mulan. All right. All right. My third? Sure. Watsi will get its act together. And in 2020, we will see the release of a Magic the Gathering setting, uh, like a block, probably the November one. This is my guess. It's, this is going to happen in November if I have to get really specific, but I'm not going for six points on that. That's just my, my guess. Uh, they'll release a, a new Magic set and they will release a D&D set set in the same world and they'll make it like an event where they're going to have like the Magic premiere, the D&D premiere, and they're going to try to tie everything together in one big bow. Mm. I mean, I like that. I like that a lot. They've been flirting with it. Yeah, they have. But I still think that they're too corporate. I think that they're too stuck in the thought of these are two separate skews, two separate towers. I'm going to disagree. Okay. Okay. That's good because I I didn't want to go harder on that. (laughs) All right, Jonathan, your bonus pick. I think it's fair to say that Whatever we talk about on the show, I'm not going to remember until you remind me next year. Would you say yes. that's a fair statement? That's always a fair statement. Okay. I'm going to predict that by the end of next year, I will back sub 10 Kickstarters next year. You have been getting a little FLG, a little, like it's a bad thing, but you've been getting FLGS friendly. I've noticed that. I've always been FLGS friendly. Yeah, but you've been, it's, 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 that love has been growing. I've noticed that over no, nah, you're going to have to go lower for that. I think you can do that. I think you have done that if you look at it. I, I really don't remember what I did this year. I was actually just logging in to see what I did this year. All right. Before I log in, I'll go sub five. In all of 2020. So starting on all January 1st. January 1st to December 31st. Or or if you want, today till December whatever of next year. Okay. I'll buy that stock. Five. You got it. So you're agreeing? Well, no, no, no. I, 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 10, 10, I would have, 10, I would have believed five. I don't believe five. I, all right. So you're disagreeing with five. I'm disagreeing with five. All right. I'm now logging into my Kickstarter account to see how many I backed this year. Just out of curiosity now. (laughs) I'll tell you what, while you're looking that up, because we're about to run out of time. So this is my final prediction. Deadpool three will be announced in 2020 starring Ryan Reynolds and it will be set in the MCU. Mm. So you think that was going to be 2020? It, not coming out in 2020 because they, they would have to. But announced. They're going to announced. Mm. It will be released under the 20th Century Fox banner and not Disney or Marvel Studios. Or it'll be Marvel Studios under 20th Century Fox because that's like their R-rated studio. So they'll have like some. Dis- what? I think you can do better. Tighten it up. So you're agreeing with me. You think they're going to announce that next year? Is that what you're saying? I think so. Probably Comic-Con. I don't know how to go more specific on that. So I won't. <laughs> I, I can't think of a way that they could I could tighten that one up I agree with you on that one I think that's going to happen okay alright well there are our predictions for 2020 are, are you going to let them know how many you actually backed and that I made a bad bet um, yes yeah, so we just did a little bit of research I logged into my Kickstarter um, I did not realize this I only backed three this year I thought it was higher for this year I really did but as I started researching stuff, a bunch of it was right at the end of 2018. Yeah, so I noticed I, that. Yeah, like there were a lot where you were going like, that's 2000 as well. And I'm like, ah, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, and it ended up only being three this year. If we counted the ones, it, well, now it depends on when it happened in December because you gave me the rest of this month, starting right now on the 9th. There was only one in December, and that was the comic, so that would have put me a four. 
Everything else was like September, October. I get it. Yeah, you got to cheat to maintain your record. It's it's fair. It's oh fine. wow, wow. Yeah, shots wow. fired. Shots fired. Is that is that the sound <laughs> of regret I hear in your voice? No, it's the sound of trusting you. <laughs> hey, I qualified that first. You know how forgetful I am. Yeah, whatever. When you get mad at me in two, well, more like four or five I'll be 100% weeks. honest with you. I, at this point, don't even remember what my four predictions were for this year. We just talked about it. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, man. I'm I remember the Wonder Woman one. Okay. And then we were just talking about the Kickstarter one, but the other two I'm kind of drawing a blank on. I'm not going to lie. All right. All right. Wrap it up, man. Wrap it up, you cheater. What were the other two? I really don't remember. I don't remember either. Okay. I, I I purge it from my mind because then I have something fun to listen to. I do to. too. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Like I'm dying to know uh, about this year. You said it was a, a, a nail biter. Yeah. No, this year's going to be interesting. The fourth Down round might Wars. do me in. Yes. And, and, and Star Wars. Star Wars will be interesting. Wow. That's exciting. I'm glad this com- it's taking it to the end. Well, that brings us to the end of our 2020 predictions. We're going to be taking a short break. Yeah. 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 This is it. We're, we're done for 2019. We'll be back sometime in January. Absolutely. So it's it's the holiday time. The reality of it is we travel. There's families involved. There's kids our, our, our next typical recording date is December 23rd. And I will be driving to grandma and grandpa's that day that that it just ain't going to happen. And <laughs> I will be crawling in children that have not been at school for a couple of days. So they're going to be bouncing off the walls. Yep. 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 So uh, with that, we take our annual hiatus. So at this point, let us say happy holidays to you and your families Thank you so very much for giving us the ultimate gift of, of listening to us babble every couple of weeks. And uh, we love you for it. We absolutely love you for it. As always, we want you to join us on all of our digital domains. We love to hear from you, uh, especially with some of the crazy things that we've talked about this year. And finally, uh, Happy New Year to everyone. And we will be joining you again in 2020. When we return, uh, we will post it on all the digital stuff just so you know when we're coming back and when we're going to be recording. But uh, Robert, what do you think the recording date will be? Uh, I could look it up now. I do know that on our normal release date, I'm going to, I at least we'll see if I actually do it, but new year's Eve, I do plan on posting a classic episode. I have it all ready to go. <laughs> I just got to remember to actually do it, but our next recording date will be the sixth for a release on the 14th of January. Well, there you go. So, uh, enjoy your holidays, folks. Um, spend time with your families and loved ones. Play lots of games. Tell us all about it, and uh, we will see you in 2020. With the end of episode 77 coming to a close, Robert, we are now closing in on 100. It is official. We're, we're burning down. Yeah, yeah, yeah we We'll are. be there before you know it. I mean, I, I can't believe how fast we got here. Yeah, agreed. It'll be, hopefully, hopefully it'll be the end of next year. It'll be interesting. Hopefully it won't be the end of, well, yeah, no, it'll be the end of next year. If Is that we, a guitar strumming in the background? No, that's my chair. <laughs> okay, uh, Robert, any final thoughts? Yes. So two years ago, I said hi to myself uh, on this very type of episode because I knew I'd be listening to it again when I was uh, doing the legwork for next year. And then uh, last year, I reminded myself again that I'd be listening to this, and I said, do you have anything to tell me? And you didn't have anything to tell me that that year. So, Jonathan, knowing the future Robert, Robert from the end of 2020, will be listening to our words right now, doing the legwork for the next predictions episode, or the results episode. Jonathan, do you have anything to say to future Robert? Always a luck, buddy. (laughs) Nice. Nice. The very first time you told me that I was stupid. 
And then I said, uh, why did you say that? That's very mean. It's like, you're going to laugh when it happens. You know it. And I, I did indeed. I remember that to this day, but I thought that was quite funny. So this time you would just go, oh. Well, I, honestly, you said the same thing last year. And I, I, now I need to put you on the spot. Actually, you did say that last year. You said, I love you, buddy. So, so I need to put you on the spot. Tell me something new. Tell me something I haven't heard before. Tell future Robert. Blow his mind. <laughs> Jesus, dude, phrasing. All right. Good night, That's folks. That's what I'm telling you next year. Phrasing, Robert. Phrasing. <laughs> Good night, everybody. That, of course, means that it's time once again to say, be excellent to one another and party on. <laughs> party on, Jonathan. The music you heard in this podcast was intro by Elifiel. Additional music was provided by Brian Winkleman. Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you 